The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 94. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. You say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secret to Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. And yonder lies my ziggurat. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> today, we're discussing the eighth episode of season five, The Tomb. SG-1 discovers that a Russian team has gone missing on P2X-338. SG-1 and a Russian team return to the planet to explore the ziggurat, apparently Victor's ziggurat, (laughs) that the team was lost in, and to find the Eye of Tiamat, a powerful gold device. They encounter a mysterious creature with a poison bite and discover that the creature has a symbiote inside of it. The symbiote, the gold Marduk, takes control of one of the Russian officers, but Jack and Colonel Chekhov are able to defeat him burying both Marduk and the eye beneath the rubble of the tomb. This would have been a really good, like, speaking, I know we were talking before we started, like, 90s, uh, the, with the CGI looking like a very, like a 90s yeah. video game. This would have been, like, a fun, like, first-person shooter or something. Yeah. We, we've talked often about how the CGI really stands up well from 2001 or whatever. Not the outdoor scenes on this one. It looked like, the, in my opinion, it looked like the Windows 95 maze screensaver. It looked bad. Yeah, it it did look bad. They make they make up with it with the you know creature effects, which you know they fortunately don't don't dwell on that. You kind of just see the creature skittering by in the background. It's and it's very yeah. effective. But yeah, the opening scenes that the you know yeah the one that Victor chose for his background <laughs> for those of you watching the video. Yes, I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> see, I I that was like kind of like when I was growing up and using the computer and playing video games and stuff. So I've got like a nostalgia for that aesthetic. So oh, you need just a little, happy. you just need a little like full motion video person walking across and like leaning down to pick things up off the ground and yes, the stuff, the, yeah. <laughs> the glory days of CD ROM video games. Yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode? Father? I like this one. This was, this was a good one. Of course you had kind of, you had the parallel, Cruise, you know, you had SG one and then you had the Russian SG one mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, you know, the way they had to work together, whether they want to or not. And some pretty good one liners here and there, especially from Jack, of course. And yeah, this was, yeah, this is a, this really is a good one, but it even hits some of the horror movie tropes. So we'll get into that, but yeah. Yes, definitely. Got a lot of alien vibes from it, which I think mm-hmm. they were going for. What about you, Victor? Yeah, I really like this one as well. I mean, it's it's always cool when we get to hear and see, you know, kind of about the the Russian Stargate program. And I think part of the reason it's so cool is that it doesn't happen that often. And so here we actually get to meet like a Russian Stargate team, um, you know, and, and how they differ in their, you know, morals and, and procedures and protocols from our, you know, the normal Stargate team. 
I like that. I like that, you know, we start off with like this this bug hunt man and then it turns into something, you know, a little different. And it does turn back into like who's got the gold, you know, type type thing. But um and then there's some like actual like really like horrific elements too, like when you realize that that Marduk was so bad that he was sealed up in a sarcophagus with a carnivorous creature to basically just you know, devour him for all of time as the sarcophagus, you know, restored him and then he would be eaten again. And then, of course, like being a ghoul, he had the idea that it wouldn't even occur to me. It's like, hey, instead of letting this guy eat me, why don't I just like go into him and then I can eat me? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that was smart. But yeah, so it's a return. And, and I think the last episode we see uh, Marduk, well, only appearance of Marduk, although he is referenced yeah. in, in Thor's hammer. So. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, it was definitely kind of like a, prometheus kind of punishment there with the yeah. having your body be restored every day and then eaten again um which was an yeah. interesting body horror angle to the sarcophagus that i've never thought of but it was creative yeah. and creepy so i liked it yeah just it kept kept going until it finally broke or was or was shut off so that was yeah and so i guess i don't know if they established this before but a ghoul can kind of take over any sort of life form i guess if it's big enough that's a good question apparently i mean we know obviously the unas was the their first host but that's because they came up from the same planet right but beyond that i guess apparently this thing was big enough that it could fit in there and can control Compatible, it and then, yeah and if it's a you know mindless creature just a creature that reacts on instinct well then the guauld can provide the takes over anyways and provides the the sentient sentience anyways so yeah but we don't see a lot of like goulds taking over cats or you know anything or so fortunately I maybe i don't now. know yeah what's that oh no <laughs> I know, you've noticed my uh my cat likes to try to mess up the show i think she's got a gould in her well i see i see the flashing eyes oh wait that's just the cat you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the nature a of a cat's eye no. <laughs> Maybe that's really yeah. it really is. When the cat's eyes flash at night, that's really the Gwauld coming out. Yep. She does yell Cree a lot, so Yeah. <laughs> Mainly when she's hungry. Oh. That's a good theory about goats too, because goats have weird <laughs> eyes already and they, they scream a lot, so Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see uh I assume that's not something they probably touch on later on, but like not what are really. the limits of a ghoul being able to take over a host? And like, I wonder if they, cause they seem to only focus on humanoids. Um, yeah. Or basically just humans from earth uh, mm -hmm. on different planets. But I'd like to see like a gold um, Asgard or something like that. Yeah. That would have been a good idea, but we don't see that. I don't think. And they, I mean, they did talk about, and we, Thor's hammer is one of the episodes where they kind of discussed it is, you know, cause that's of course where we first saw the Unas. And, you know, they said, yeah, these were the original hosts of the gold, but they discovered humans were more compatible with them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, humans were uh, a better species for them to, to go with. So, yeah, I mean, and I don't remember if it ever did say, but they could do other species other than the Unas and humans, you know, and, but it, if the fact they could do with one other species, other human kind of implies that there's right. quite a range that they can, they can go in and. I mean, you could even imagine that they would use even, you know, uh, an animal like this creature just temporarily until they need, they find better host. It's like when a snail uh, uses like a piece of trash for its shell until it finds something mm -hmm. better. Yep. 
There's something else that they mentioned in this episode, uh, Teal'c being able to sense a symbiote, which that would have come in handy a lot of other times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like there's been so many instances where someone's, they thought someone was a ghoul or they didn't know, or they've infiltrated the base. And apparently he was keeping this, uh, keeping this under wraps. I don't know. I think he might. It just might be bandwagon jumping on his part. Like, like Sam is like, well, I, I don't sense a Gould. And he looks like, well, I don't sense a Gould either. You know, like he didn't have anything else to do. And so he was just maybe it like, was a result of yeah. his brainwashing. You know, after he recovered from oh, his yeah. brainwashing, he developed this ability. He lost his sense of smell, but he, he gained the ability to, I don't know. Like, it's, so it's, it's, it's a good yeah. head cannon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Carter can because of Jolinar. Yeah. yeah. And that's been established. So, and we do get. Speaking of backstory, we do get some really good backstory um, at the beginning. I like when they show like the the team that went missing, and you know Peter Deloise is one of the photos of one mm-hmm. of the you know missing Russian officers. And I was I was going to look up if if who the other um, photos were of, but they they kind of like say, well, you know how do you, how did your team even know to to go to this address? Um, because it wasn't on one of the addresses that, that you guys went to and you shouldn't have known about it. And it's like, well, there was this artifact that I think was, it. did they say like the Germans recovered it? And then we recovered it from the Germans from an excavation in Iraq. And if you notice this, these are DHD symbols, you know, and they address it. It's like, well, you know, you didn't know about the Stargate. So how did you know? And it's like, well, we had a DHD, you know, all this time that they recovered from the Germans as well. So kind of some cool, like, you know, background world building, you know, geopolitical intrigue and stuff going on so i always appreciate when they throw that in so that implies that the uh, nazis had some gold technology well they had the stargate i think they just didn't know um how to use it yeah well there 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 is an apocryphal show called origins that explains Uh, that yes the nazis did have an experimented on it but we don't count that that's apocryphal until until trip from enterprise yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um I looked it up. So the other people in that picture are Doug McLean, Peter West, and Ray Douglas, and all of them are cat have worked behind the camera. Okay, so they're excellent. like art direct. One's an art director. One's a special effects director. Um, one you know things like that. So they're they're basically people they grabbed from from behind the camera and said, "Stand here, take a picture. You're now in the show." Yeah. And so now canonically, they're all like the Morbius doctors, right? From the brain of Morbius episode yeah. where, where pretty much, yeah. Um, in, in the episode brain of Morbius, if I remember correctly, they, they, you know, they showed all these people, like they had Dr. Who chained up and they're like, these are all your past incarnations. And they showed like a bunch of people who weren't yep. doctors up to that point. And it was like mm-hmm. crew members and writers for the show. Yeah. Yeah. This was the, the fourth doctor episode of the fourth doctor. And they showed the first three doctors. So John Pertwee and. Patrick Troughton and uh, William Hartnell. And then they show all these other random people and they were literally just like camera operators and stuff like that, that they took a picture of in some, like a top hat or something like that. Just to say that they were previous doctors before yeah. William Hartnell. So canonically they're, they're doctors who, um, yep. even though they, mm-hmm. they, yeah. So that would really up the number of, uh, regenerations though. Yeah. Well, they, they, they threw all that out with the, the timeless child stuff. So, I mean, it doesn't matter now true but for more information about that listen to secrets of dr, <laughs> dr. who's right. conversation yeah, of the 13th doctor Dif- different show um <laughs> yeah i like that they're bringing in uh more of like the geopolitical angle with the other teams 
It does make me wonder though, like I feel like if you've got multiple teams from different countries going off world, that's probably going to cause some sort of issue. Cause I don't, I can't, I can imagine a lot of the civilizations out there are not going to really distinguish between the Americans and the Russians when they're coming. They're just going to know they're from earth. And this is, this is why we're going to have very shortly the IOC. And I'm not talking about the international Olympic committee. I'm talking about the international, uh, well, what, I just blanked on it. Darn it. Oh, the international operating committee or, or no, what is yeah. it? Yeah. The oversight, the international oversight, oversight yeah, committee. with Dr. Elizabeth Weir. Yep. And, uh, oh, nice. Picardo, Robert Picardo. Yeah. Like, and they're like the UN of Stargate or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it ends up being what, three or four countries that China or Russia being one of them, China being another, that find out about the Stargate. And so they help, they have agreement to overse- oversee the, the Stargate operations. That's probably season six we start seeing that. Yeah. But this is kind of the. Kind of the uh, start of that with the Russians starting to work with, uh, work with the the, the U.S. SGC, um, and we've got Colonel Chekhov, who we see today. He doesn't have a name yet, but that's yep. who we see here, and he we'll see a lot more of him. Yes, yeah. Chekhov, yeah. of course, named for Pavel Chekhov of Star Trek. There were no nuclear vessels in this episode. I noticed, though. No, there weren't. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. The cool thing, like that, uh, the the actor who plays. Uh, Colonel Chekhov in this, and I'm blanking on his name, but he played, I think, at least three different characters on MacGyver. Like when they needed, like you know, police lieutenant Gary, yeah, Gary Chalk. When they yep. needed like a police lieutenant or a or or a, like a hitman or something, they would just like throw him in. So he was uh, one of the MacGyver regular kind of uh, ensemble players there. Nice. Of course, it's funny he's playing a Russian, but he's from. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't have a Russian access accent at all, like in any of those roles and stuff. So mm-hmm. here, here he gets to put on his uh, his stage Russian accent. Yeah, it's also fun to. Uh, I like that scene where they're comparing the guns. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, which which I don't know, I don't know anything about guns, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let y'all handle that. But it was it was fun to see that back and forth. Yeah, they had one little one little bonding moment there where oh, is that the P P ninety? Oh, yes, it is. You know, fifty rounds vertical mount oh i prefer this one and oh isn't that a yugoslavian made gun as as yeah. victor pointed out the p90 was made in belgium yeah which is which is something like you know the, the writers may not have known because you know or i assume colonel o'neill would have known that that he was not carrying a u.s made uh uh weapon at that point but but it is it is a it is a very nice scene where that where they start to bond and then there is kind of that that growing bonding um, between you know Jack and the and the Russian Colonel of uh, was it Valarin um, or no um, uh, that's uh, Zukov Zukov yeah yeah so that was that was very nice um, and I do like how uh, you know there's already this tension between them. Da- Daniel needs to translate the the cuneiform on, on the ziggurat in order to uh, to open it up. And it's very challenging because it's, you know, thousands of years old and it's not standard, you know, Babylonian that, you know, he's familiar with. And so they get back to the planet and, you know, everybody's just ready to go. And, and Daniel's still translating this thing for hours and the, the teams are just kind of, like, you know, sitting yeah. around. And so we, we get uh, some nice moments uh, with, with, with Jack and Daniel as he's encouraging him to hurry up and, and open the door. And then. And then we're into the tomb, and the tomb looks great inside. I mean, it looks it looks very creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love I love Daniel. Where 
Well, do you want to give it a try? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the, no, the tomb was the tomb was really well done, and of course, it's you know, it's, it's just a bunch of corridors, but you know that give them a lot of flexibility. You know, they, I'm I'm sure they only had to build a couple of sets or redress a couple of sets to make it look like this old creepy tomb instead of a you know something else like a, a spaceship or something like that. Yeah. Really gives you uh especially in sets like that, you can use the low light to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's skeletons in this episode. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, they the the previous Russian team has gone in and they well, even though they've been only gone for I don't know, like what, a year or something, they're they're already skeletons and they that's when they find out that something's been eating everybody. Yes, the uh mysterious creature and then they discover uh, the sarcophagus, and, and we learn that uh, Marduk, the Gould, has been locked in the sarcophagus with this creature, and because of the uh, regenerative powers of the sarcophagus, he is eaten by the creature and then regenerated, and I just like that. Yeah, that's just horrific, yeah. Yeah. One thing I did get a kick out of is, um, you know, the Russian ex- expression, you know, we have our, our Russian team there, and they see the, you know, their their comrade who's who's been turned into a skeleton, and one of them goes, and I'm probably not saying this like like Volshumoin, and uh, you know this the closed captions I had translated that as like holy you know expletive deleted, and then yeah, which was interesting. And then later on, like another character says it, you know, more as like a you know as like a gasp type thing, and they the same word, but it's translated as dear God. So yeah. it's probably one of those expressions that can be translated a number of ways. It was just funny that the captioners were. We're kind of, you know, experimenting with uh, with with, the, with how uh, it was displayed. Yeah, the title. Yeah, wiki, the, <laughs> yeah. the the SG Stargate Command wiki translates it as as you know, oh my god, or my god, or okay. something like that. You know, or holy hmm. god, or you know, something along that line. You know, right. it doesn't do the expletive. Yeah, I may have, I may have, I may have been using the uh, the Russian knockoff uh, captions or something. I bought my captions in Yugoslavia. <laughs> <laughs> they're the uh the, the pal standards they don't they don't work yeah. right or something yeah <laughs> yeah and we get basically uh kind of a oh, i felt like it was an homage to like the alien movies where you got all these people hunted through these corridors by the strange creature picking them off one by oh, one yeah. so it's always fun to see very much the the hor- you know 80s horror movie of you've got this group that goes into a strange building and they get separated, and one by one they start dropping off, or you know, and you hear the screams around the corridor, and air, corridor, and everybody starts running, and things like that. But, but you know, they did a good job with it. You know, it wasn't too. It wasn't one of these where, like, well, of course, I mean, almost all the Russian team dies. The, the cute woman survives, but beyond that, I was going to say she goes on to be. Uh, I think she's on Battlestar Galactica. Yep, that's where I recognized yep. her from. Yeah, Jen. Uh, Jennifer Haley played Hardball, right? Instant Hardball. Oh, okay. On BSG, and she was supposed to be the uh, the original um, Cadet Haley. That's right. She, yeah, that's why they called Cadet Haley Cadet Haley is because she was originally um, going to be cast for that role, but uh, wasn't, and then um, she was cast in this role. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we don't actually see that much of the the creature. I mean, it's very effective when it like skitters by in the background. They kind of yeah. do the same thing with the replicators, and then you know it jumps on you know the Russian lieutenant's 
head and bites her and puts her into a state of shock. And, and then the next time we see it, it's been shot and then, um, you know, dead because the, uh, until like pokes around in its head and says, Hmm, there was a symbiote in here, but not anymore. And most of what we see from it is just, you know, they put a punch bowl over the camera lens and that's, oh, yeah. see, that's its creature eyes, vision. you know, the, you know, the creature vision. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's your, Which is again, it's effective because it shows that it, this isn't a, a human type vision. This is more of a, a creature, uh, an insect type vision. Yeah. Yeah. 1950s monster movie effect, right? Where you always show things from the monster's point of view and then you don't actually need to, you know, have a cool monster effect or anything. No, nope. but hey, gets the job done. So yeah, they could have had like its little tentacles or something in front because whenever they did that in the fifties, you'd see the like the guys like the monster's hands, like the rubber mm-hmm. gloves or whatever and stuff. So it would have been cool if they'd had like the little tentacles whenever they did monster vision yeah. there too. We did see the uh, did see his claws come out of its uh, cocoon, but that's beyond. That's about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it was kind of anticlimactic the way it died, but I guess that was sort of a bait and switch, which. Obviously, Marduk is the real the real villain here, not the mindless monster. Yep. So, yeah, and we we find out like you know which which Russian because it's going to be a Russian, of course. The Gould is in, and then you know he goes and confronts you know O'Neill and Zukov, and Zukov you know um, says, "I'll give you the eye of Tiamat," but gives him a grenade instead. Which I don't know about like Russian grenades, but I think that should have just like. You know, killed everybody in that. Well, yeah. or, or at least the guy holding it, it should have, you know, exploded him a little bit. But but then, you know, he's he's back in the next scene and he looks just kind of like he's a little like dusty. And he's like, you tried to blow me up. But Zukov dies because the the roof collapses on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately, uh, Daniel and Teal have discovered that there is uh, there's a ring transporter in the ziggurat. And so they can use that to get out because at this point they're sealed in. But uh, and so that's how they they escape. But then, oh, Jack has already like laid a whole bunch of C4 around the place uh, and Sam like hits the little button and that's how they blow up Marduk or seal him in. Yeah, I guess he's uh, because he doesn't come back, I don't think. But. No, I don't think he does. Yeah, he's no more Marmaduke. Now, the the eye of Tiamat we hear about later, but yeah, the not Marduk. So. Uh, the the gold that that gets it later must have went and grabbed it from the pile under where it was left. Maybe Marduk was horribly wounded and then got to the sarcophagus and was able to revive himself, and that's why he was not many pieces. That's a good know. point. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Although it'd be like his like severed hand would be like you know thing from Anna's family like crawling into the sarcophagus. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder what happens if you put. So the sarcophagus can bring people back to life. They've established that. No, no. I think they have yeah. to be alive still, right? I think that you can be like mostly dead. Yeah. And it will work. So could you put someone who's had like all their limbs severed in the in there and then put their limbs in there with them and will it put them back together? I, I've never shown that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, given that the creature can skeleton, skeletonize a person, I think we have to assume that like, Marduk was maybe skeletonized and then like revived. I don't know. Maybe not. Or at maybe. least eaten quite a bit of it. Yeah. Because when they when they found the the uh, sarcophagus, it was it was dead. The crystal wasn't there or anything like that, so it didn't have power. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that How was after the uh, Russian team had been in there. So 
Creature is very thorough too, nibbling all the way down to the bone, but leaving yeah. the skeleton completely intact. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a very delicate operation. It's like those people that when they have fried chicken, they get every little piece of the the, the skin off. You know, they don't leave anything on the bone. Yeah, rather just, than just cutting your losses after you've had like most of it. Yep, most yeah. all the meat. This is why I'm <laughs> I'm in favor of uh, boneless chicken wings. I know they're basically glorified chicken nuggets, but they're much easier to eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was surprised there was only one creature. I mean, I guess, you know, there wasn't another creature to make more creatures with, but um you know, I guess I guess it makes sense. They just had the one creature to lock to seal up with them, but you know, I guess it, it also helped keep the animation costs down and, and didn't turn it into another like replicator shoot all the bug type episode. Yeah, I presume that they brought the creature there for the explicit purpose of sticking it in the sarcophagus with him. So yeah. you only need one for that. Of course, this does go back to the Gould's uh, over, overly imaginative and not very efficient ways of punishing people. It's like, why don't you just get rid of him? He won't be a problem ever again. Yeah. But Hey, it's more fun. That well, way. this was, yeah. but this was his, uh, this was the people. This wasn't the Gould's that did this, right? No, it was, it was like yeah. his slaves. Yeah, yeah, it was his slaves that did it. It was the his humans. Pri- no, was, that's right. They said it was his priests. Yeah. Right. So well, I guess Killins, they would be humans yeah. then. Yeah. Killing's not so. good enough for you. Or too good for you, I guess. And so, yeah. Fair and then they sealed him up with iron iron bars and yeah. locked him away. And uh, yeah. And so we, we get a pretty cool exchange, you know, where... <laughs> At the end, Colonel Chekhov is like, hey, like, all you guys survived, but, like, only one of my guys survived. And Jack's like, well, that's because, like, you know, we're we're just better and we don't believe in fatalism and stoicism and stuff. And um, and Jack's, you know, not, not very happy. And he's like, I wouldn't count on any future collaboration, you know, if I were you. And Colonel Chekhov gets, like, the really good line at the end. He's like, no, I would. And so it mm-hmm. just says that, you know, the Russians are, are here to stay. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that was uh, that was another funny reference that um that Daniel said like when when the Russians were going to arrive on the base he's like the Russians are coming which is a yeah. reference to the movie the Russians are coming the Russians are coming where Russians land at like Glau- Gloucester Bay uh and um it's a very funny comedy from the I think 60s or early 70s I haven't seen it in a long time but it's a it's a very funny comedy movie of of the era of the Cold nice. War era Nice yeah, I don't think Jack really has the, uh, he's not at the level where he can decide if we're going to be dealing with the Russians more. So Yeah. <laughs> Although it does, uh, does make me wonder about in the future timeline of the Stargate universe, um, how these different, like, in different uh, nations deal with each other while also having to work with using the Stargate. Is it kind of like the international space station where even if things are kind of frosty on the ground, they got to kind of cooperate. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, Atlantis has basically representatives from pretty much every nation you could think of there, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're cut off from earth. So they don't really, I mean, and and they're professionals and stuff, right? Where Where you see more of this is, and it's not even an earth thing is in universe where there's like, you know, through a fluke, there's two factions of people and they hate each other 
and isn't this dramatic that everybody hates each other all the time? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and everybody's enemies with, and then eventually they resolve that, I think, or we're starting to, but, but yeah, so it, it, yeah. And that's one of the cool things about Atlantis is that, you know, there are, there are people from, from all these different countries and stuff there. Nice. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into that one. Yeah. yeah a couple See. more seasons. We'll get there soon enough. Yeah. Yeah, we're already in season five, so yeah, mm-hmm. trucking along. Awesome. Uh, did you all have any other thoughts on this episode? Nothing here. No, I I like it. It's it's got a lot of action. It's it's cool. There's Russians in it, you know. And like I said, anytime we can bring in the the Russian Stargate program, you know, it shakes things up, and it, it's kind of interesting, like kind of parallel, you know, parallel teams and stuff. Um, I did like how basically their their patches said, you know, SG one only like with the Russian or the Cyrillic, you know, char- characters on it instead. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that was that was kind of cool. Oh, I've got forgot to mention that about the other team where they literally have the matching team. So you had the the grizzled oh, yeah. colonel, grizzled bitter colonel. Yeah. You had the, <laughs> the 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 young woman. You had the 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 nerdy guy, and then you had the big guy. Oh, the tank. Yeah, and the tank goes. Yeah. Tank was the first one. He's the one that got squished. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was just like they were matching team, almost like mirror image teams. Yeah, I liked how they did that. It was, and I, they really lampshaded that too when they're introducing them. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I did like all the different pair ups, like how they were paired up differently and stuff. It, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, Teal with the Russian colonel saying, like, I don't think we should just start traipsing into this, you know, Gould sarcophagus room. We should wait for Colonel, and the, you know, Colonel Zukov is like, no, and then steps on the pressure plate that causes the whole booby trap to activate and stuff. Yeah, you definitely see a difference in uh, methodology there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Kent H., Henry H., Haley H., Daniel C., and Tess W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Between Two Fires. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And remember, we take risks, but we don't hand out cyanide pills and we don't leave people behind. Merka. Merka. <laughs> and once again, I'm Jack Berezini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Middle-Earth. Find it wherever you can find podcasts or at sqpn.com slash Middle-Earth.